Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. another edition of Swoops World Late Night. It is February 25th, 2016. Looking forward to a big night. Uh, Bob Case and Anthony Davis. And uh, we have plenty to talk about. And so we're going we're gonna to have some fun with that. Uh, just want to let you know right out of the top of the gate so I don't forget. Uh, later next week at 8 o'clock, uh, David Martinez joins us here on Swoops World. Uh, independent musician. Looking forward to chatting with him about his new music and and uh, he's got a new CD that's about to be released, so we're we're going to have a, fu- a fun time with that, and plenty uh, plenty of things to, to to chat about. So let's uh, let's get started. Let's take our first break and come back and uh, get Bob Case in the line. You're listening to Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network. It's brought to you by HealthyNewDay.com. Back after this. Hey, how you doing? This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of Rad. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. But if you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Every day I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. At 7, I shower. Every day I wake up For those caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And now we have an 8-year-old on the line. Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to mypyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. 
asshole for a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. we got to talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. That's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio. Hey, there's Sharp on the wall. You're listening to Swoop. And welcome back to Swoop's Road on the Talk Star Radio Network. Uh, we're just uh, waiting here real quick to, to talk to uh, Bob Case. And uh, Bob, you know, for those of you who are new to the show, Bob's a longtime uh, uh, friend of the show. He's a longtime uh, USC fan and uh, supporter, as well as a former vice president of the International Boxing Association. Spent a lot of time with the uh, California Angels and, uh, gosh, so many other things. Uh, Casey Stingles, manager for a while, as well as uh, Mickey Rooney's. So uh, we always have a fun time talking to Bob. And as soon as he calls in, we'll, we'll jump right into that. Uh, a lot of things happening this week, and, and I'm sure we'll uh, talk to AD about some of it because he, uh, he talks more than just about football and sports, but uh, he'll probably have some things he wants to say about the Academy Awards. I know he, I know he takes in the movie or two every once in a while, and, and he, he was really involved in uh, concussion, kickoff concussion. Ah, here we go right here. And we'd like to welcome to the show our good friend, Bob Case. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing great, Keith. How about you, buddy? Doing excellent, man. And it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and and uh, get a chance to chat with you about all sorts of things in the world. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. I, you know, I was telling our listeners, you know, you've been a longtime supporter and a big fan of, of USC, uh, amongst a whole lot of other things. We'll get into some of those other things. But tell us a little bit about uh, your thoughts on uh, what, what's, what, the, what the new uh, season's going to look like for uh, – for the football team, and then uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the current uh, baseball season. Yeah, uh, well, Keith, I think it's, um, you know, considering they probably have one of the hardest schedules in college football next year, and, you know, they open up against Alabama, against, you know, in Dallas, and, uh, you know, it's going to be either quarterback's first start, whether it's Sam Darnold or uh, the other kid, Brown, and uh, they're both good quarterbacks. I've heard good things about both of them. And uh, great things about Darnold is the guy that redshirted last year. He's like, they say he's got an amazing gun and arm. And they're both good kids, and I made the best man win. But uh, I just think it's going to be tough for them going against the Alabama Crimson Tide in their first game, starting you know in, in Division One football. But uh, other than that, I am thrilled with you know. I think um, I'm, I'm I, I think Helton is a very good hire and. Believe me, I haven't heard a negative thing about him. Um, you know, you can say he didn't have the full bowl practices, all that stuff. But the guy is a class act, and I, I, I told some friends of mine he reminds me. I've met him and talked to him for quite. Brian Kinney and I talked to him for quite a while at the recruit dinner, and uh, when they announced the recruits, and he's just a, a real gentleman. You know, just a class guy, and he reminds me a lot of Mike Riley, the Oregon State court. Uh, you know, his father was a coach, uh-huh. his brother was a coach. He's Mike Riley's father was a coach up in Corvallis, Oregon, you know, and he's he's just come from a long line of coaches, and he's also got that same. He's a family man like Mike Riley, you know. He's a good role model for the kids. They need some 
solid role models, you know, not a guy slurring his words and uh, boxed out, you know, at practice and stuff. You know, they need they need somebody to look up to, and I think he's a great and he's hired really good assistants. You know, I'm so I think I, one of the smartest things he did was get rid of those guys right when he came on, and he even went into the bowl game without those coaches. But that was smart. That's like cutting out the, you know. You know, cutting out the cancer. And, yeah. Because uh, I'd, I'd heard nothing but not one positive thing about any of those guys they got rid of. So, and they, you know, they got great guys in there. You know, they promoted Kenichi Udizi as the defensive line coach. He's a former All American at USC and played in the NFL until he got leukemia. But a great player, a great guy. He, st- he was under Ed Ogeron and learned everything from Coach O. And, you know, the, the, the kid uh, that, uh, uh, the defensive, I mean, Clancy Pendergrass, he's already proven what he can do. And, uh, you know, I heard Clancy made a statement to somebody I know that he's got better stuff to work with now than he ever had. You know what I mean? So, you know, and they brought John Baxter back, the special teams coach. This Ronnie Bradford, their defensive back coach, played 12 years in the NFL, and he's coaching the NFL. So, you know, this Neil Calloway, I mean, all great coaches. You know what I mean? His, right. bro- his brother is a quarterback's coach, Tyson Helton. And, uh, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about him, and they they kept T. Martin as though he's going to be the wide receivers coach and the offensive coordinator. And Johnny Nansen, I'm glad they got him because he's great for the Samoans. He's half Samoan, half black, and you know, he, you know, we need somebody that can recruit Samoans after getting rid of Kennedy Palomulu and uh, and uh, Tuiasopo. You know, they're both over at UCLA now. Right. Kennedy's the offensive coordinator over there. That's another one of Hayden's fires. But anyway, uh, Tommy Robinson is a running backs coach. He's good. So, I mean, I, I feel like they're in really strong hands, you know. And yeah. as we've talked about before, Keith, in college football, the defensive coach, I mean, your assistant coaches are almost, they're, they're like a solid block. You know what I mean? You've got to have them because, you know, the, the players don't talk to the head coach as much as they do their position coaches. The offensive line, they know their offensive line coach. The defensive line, they know the defensive line coach. That's who they're around all the time. So they have to respect him, like him, and learn from him. And I think I'm, I'm very impressed with uh, everything. I'm looking forward to the season starting, you know. And I don't expect them to beat Alabama, you know. But I, I think I think the team will be on the upswing, you know. I really do. You right. Know? And I I think it's, you know, just I, I'm 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 a hundred percent behind Clay Helton as a human being, as a coach, as a mentor. I think he's great for the kids to be around. I haven't talked to one kid that doesn't respect and like him, you know. So that's terrific. Well, that's good, and and what you you know a lot of times what you get is you need everybody uh, working uh, working together on the same page as far as uh, you know assistant coaches and head coaches and and you know kind of have a have that whole thought process together. But they but they start out of the gate three tough games. I mean they got Alabama, Utah, oh and, yeah, and then I mean, Stanford. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of heat to put on the plate for Helton, but I, I'm not going to judge him by those games. You know what I mean? I'm not. He's got he's got a guy a quarterback that hasn't played before. And we hope they win them all. But if yeah. they don't, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, he's a, like some of these other coaches they've had there. It's it's not going to be his fault. You know what I mean? But I, I think they have a, you know, a great staff, and I think they'll show up for the games. That's the main thing is showing up for the games. You know what I mean? Emotionally, psychologically, and, and lay it all out in the field. And uh, <clears throat> that's the best thing you can do. And I think they're going to do that with these teams. You know, one of the interesting things, Bob, uh, you know, we talk about collegiate uh, football a lot. Um, SC has a tendency to, to uh, start the season uh, against some tough teams, where a lot of these teams that get highly ranked, uh, you know, they kind of kind of sneak into the season, you know, playing playing uh, you know softies and and, and kind of working their way up to tougher teams, you know, by the time they get to conference. Um, 
you know, do you think that's wise scheduling, or, or do you think that uh, that just shows that shows some uh, some kind of grit on? Uh, on I think the part it shows grit. Like, you know, last year they did fl- they they started out with a couple tomato cans. If you remember, they played Arkansas State and uh, uh, who was the other one? Uh, you know, a couple in boxing we call them tomato cans. You know, to yeah. start the season. Um, but uh, I mean, that's I think it just makes the university look good when you play on Alabama. You know what I mean? It's like it's like. The co- one of the coaches I admired more than anything was that Fresno State coach, you know, the guy that had the goatee. Yeah. The, the, he played anybody. You remember that? I mean, they, and, and, and they showed up, and they gave SC all they could handle in the Pete Carroll era. You know, I don't know where that guy is today, but, I mean, what a terrific coach, man. These guys show, you know, he didn't look like your typical college coach, but he did an amazing job, and, and, and you know, they were known to play anybody. You right, know what I mean? Right. And that's kind of what, I, I like that. I like that SC's playing Alabama, you know, and, what, you know, they have nothing to lose. You know, and everything to gain in that game. You know, if they, if they, even if they make a solid showing, it's a gain for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know? So um, then, I think they're, I think they're on the way up. I really do. They got so many great recruits. The recruiting class, I was thrilled with. You know, I think I told you they had a three point seven nine average on the twenty recruits, which is the highest in the United States. Uh, I think three point six nine was Ohio State or somebody else or Michigan, one of those teams. But that means the quality of the recruits on a one to five scale, SCs was the highest in the country at three point seven nine, which means they got some great recruits. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and recruiting, and, you know, recruiting is, is one of those things where you you wonder about when you switch, when you you have a new head coach, uh, is he going to be able to recruit? I mean, SC, you know, the school kind of recruits, you know, recruits itself uh, because of the, the history behind it, but still. Uh, you know they've gone through quite a few head coaches over the last few years, and, and you kind of wonder how the how the recruiting class was going to look. And they went out and did a good job. Absolutely, and and like you know, I've I've heard AD say on your show, it's the brand. It's USC's the brand. Mm-hmm. SC sells itself. You know what I mean? I mean, what kid in the world would not want, even if they were one in eleven, who would not want to play for the University of Southern California with the tradition and the Seven Heisman Trophy winners and. All the national—they've got, I think, eleven national championships. And imagine that—you know—I mean, going back to the twenties, Howard Jones and the, the you know, the, all these great players and uh, unbelievable amount of All-Americans and Heisman Trophy winners and Boletnikoff Award winners and John Mackey Award winners and you know, uh, great offensive linemen. I mean, it's just got a great history there. And uh, I'm uh, proud to be a lifetime Trojan fan, and I'll be one until I check out you know exactly. so i'm I, i'm really enjoyed all the years of you know they've, they've provided you know what i told somebody if you lived now think about this keith if you lived in let's say you were a iowa state fan or you were a uh, you could even say the oregon ducks you could you could they people have been fans of them their whole life they've never come close to a national championship yeah. you, know, you understand what i'm saying yeah. in other words some of these teams think about how many teams have never ever won a national championship it's about 95% of them that are out there, the 121 Division One schools. So, you know, to, to be here in my lifetime, I've seen the 62 team, the 67 team, the 72 team and 74 teams, the 79 team, the 2003 and 4 team, and almost the 2005 team, you know. Right. Uh, so if it wasn't for Vince Young in that game. But, I mean, the point is, you, you see, you know, I, I'm honored. If I never saw another national championship <laughs> team, that I've seen all these great teams in my life is, is an honor, you know. You talk about uh, we're talking about you know SC and national championships, and uh, I know you're a big baseball guy too, and and they you know they've done pretty well on the diamond also, and and the season's you know, just getting started. Looks like they're off to a you know 500 starting or two and two overall. Um, 
Are you following the, the baseball team, and, and what and what and what if if so, what does it look like for the season for these guys? I think I think they've got some real good pitching. Uh, they, I, I mean, I think UCLA. See, the problem with baseball is SC is at an advantage because it costs a, a kid sixty thousand bucks to go there. So if if they're only allowed, I forget how many scholarships at full scholarships, and they're allowed half scholarships. Now, if they get a half scholarship at SC, that means you pay thirty thousand dollars. If you get one at UCLA, it means you pay about five thousand dollars. So now, who do you think is going to get the best recruits? SC is at a direct. These private schools like Stanford, USC, are at a direct disadvantage in recruiting. So you know, the days of Rod Dato, he won eleven national championships and won five in a row, and AD was on I think two of those, or no, three of those teams. Yeah. Was five in a row, and uh, you know, those days are uh, you know probably gone. But I mean, I think this coach is a good coach. I think his name is Hubs. And uh, he's, you know, he's had some good players. That, that they had the number one catcher in college baseball last year. His name was Stubbs, and he signed with Cincinnati, I believe. But I mean, no, they've got some good players, and I, I, I'd love to see the baseball team come back. You know, they play at Dado Field. They play, you know, you know, the great, just like the football team. They got great tradition, you know. But yeah. UCLA is in the mix, and it's interesting that UCLA's coach is the next Trojan. John <laughs> so, but uh, they're they're in the mix, and uh, they've had some. UCLA has really been a, a really good baseball team the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. They've had a lot of guys go in the major leagues and got you know, some really good prospects. A lot of talent. Um, you know, a um, couple things. Uh, the, the, we talk about UCLA and, and the rivalries and stuff, and I don't know if I've ever seen this or I surely don't remember, but I think this year the, the SC basketball team uh, swept UCLA uh, the two times they played. I think it's just fantastic. I just love it. And, uh, you know, I mean, and they've got some, that team's only going to get better, too. they got this Mubu kid or some African kid. He's, he's going he's gonna to get much better. He's never already played basketball before he went to SC. Yeah. they got this McLaughlin kid, the guard. He's a, he's a playmaker and can do a lot of things. I mean, I think that team's going to get better and better as the, te- as the season goes on. I hope they make the, uh, you know, be interesting to see where they end up. But, you know, the Pac-12 is such a great conference. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night. Yeah. So it's like anybody. There's no undefeated teams in the Pac-12. You know, I used to say that Pac-12 and football, the reason they, they, they always talk about the SCC, the SCC, like they play a bunch of tomato cans and they have two tough games a year. In the Pac-12, anybody can beat anybody. And that's why people go, oh, the Pac-12, they're not that good. But you know why? Because they all beat each other up because they're all so good. Right. And the Pac-12, in my opinion, has been underrated for years, you know, as far as uh, it's as powerful as any conference in football. You know, all you have to do is look at all the NFL players that come out of the Pac-12. Well, not only that, I think uh, partway through the year last year, I, I remember looking at the uh, the top 25. Uh, you know, there's I was a handful of teams from, from the Pac-12, you know, in the top 15 top top eight you know so uh you know there's there's always uh there's always you know there's always quite a few teams from the pac-12 uh you know doing well doing well in in, in all these sports um you know there's a a couple other things came out this week um there was a study done uh i'm gonna pull it up real quick because i don't i don't want to mess up what i'm saying uh there's a study done by uh usc um talking about the diversity problem in uh in Hollywood, um, you know, they're, you know, with the Oscars coming up and everything. And, and it, I guess it was done, uh, by one of the departments at USC. 
And it's interesting because I was reading some of the comments on this, and a lot of some of the people were saying, and some of the things I heard was, you know, of all places, uh, you know, because they're saying that SC has has a diversity problem uh, at the university, and you know, they're they're, they're passing judgment on on Hollywood. You, you're real tight with the, the university uh, as a fan, as a supporter, and whatnot. Is there a diversity problem at, at SC? Is there a uh, you know are there any racial issues that we don't know about or we don't hear about often? Or what's what's underlying over there? Well, Keith, to me, it's such a fine line. I mean, I think there's diversity issues everywhere in the United States if we're going to be realists. You know, uh, you know, like somebody we know says it's 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 a it's a what does he say? It's a same crap, just a different day. You know what I mean? From you know, you, go, you can go back. The same stuff's happening. They just covered up better now. You know, so you know, oh, we can say. I mean, I, like I heard today, they're talking about this. This Shannon Sharp, this this tight end that was a great player, was on ESPN Radio, and he's talking. Yeah, they're prejudiced of Cam Newton who does all this stuff, and they're prejudiced against him because he's a black quarterback. I don't buy that. No. Uh, Johnny Manziel's not black, and when he was doing that money sign, people were furious. Right. You know, they're they're ripping his ass, and they should, because he's a screw-up. And, you know, if he was blocked, they'd say they're prejudiced. You know, people don't like him doing all that jive-ass stuff out there on the field every time he scores a touchdown. Yeah. Act like you've scored a touchdown before. You know, <laughs> don't show up your opponents. As I told you before, a friend of mine who is very close to Denver said they were the players the two weeks before the Super Bowl were doing replays of his celebrations. They weren't looking at the offense. They were doing replays of him celebrating. So they were just licking their chops for that guy. And he said, the only way to stop me celebrating is stop keep, me from going into the end zone. Keep me out of the end zone, right? Yeah, well, they did a hell of a job of it. You know what I mean? Von Miller and that Ware guy and these other guys. I mean, they. I mean, in other words, uh, you know, it's, I don't think that kind of stuff has So I thought Shannon Sharp was out of the line saying prejudice, prejudice. That doesn't have anything to do with prejudice. People, I mean, Russell Wilson, I never heard anybody knock him. He's blocked. He plays like a, like he's supposed to play. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I think in other words, we we it, we, it, we, in a, we in society these days uh, we want to throw the we want to throw the race the uh, race thing, yeah. thing uh, around uh, far too much. And then I was talking to somebody recently. I said, you know, if, if you call everything uh, racism when when you're actually af- affected by it, nobody's going to believe you because you. You know, you you know, you're like the kid who who cried uh, the sky is falling or whatever. You well, know, absolutely. You know? I mean, there there's some things that are just blatant racism. Right. You know, I mean, there, I and and is life fair? We've talked about this before. No, there's people at SC that have should gotten certain things that didn't get them for racist reasons. And I'm not going to go into who and why, but you know, it's over the years. I've seen a lot of that crap happening. You know, over the years, a lot of it. You know, they they want a certain kind of a black person to promote. Yeah. They they don't want. Uh, somebody with an edge to them. You understand what I'm saying? In other yeah. words, they they don't they they promote certain kinds. You know, like uh, you know, like Hayden loves Lynn Swan. Well, he should. Lynn Swan is whiter than I am. Do you understand? <laughs> In other words, you're a black man, Keith. What black man would want to join Augusta Country Club? You know, well, Hayden got Swan into Augusta Country Club. You know what I mean? So, in other words, there's certain kinds of stuff going on that I see what goes on. I went to an all-black high school, John Muir High School, so I know we we chucked and jive all my way through high school you know i played ball with all those guys or a great bunch of guys you know and it's and and i saw what they went through i've told i've told you know my friends this i had guys rod sherman who was a great football player at fc played in the nfl for a long time white guy you know what the blacks used to say when they saw him on a track meet they said it was like a a reverse lynching 
you had a bunch of blacks chasing a white guy. You know? But but that's what all the that's what all the brothers used to tell me. Case that's a reverse lynching. But listen to this: Rod Sherman, who was a good student, was not the best player on the John Muir High School football team. Right. We had this is in the '60s. We he, he, he was a great player at SC. Played at, played in the NFL, the Denver Broncos, the Oakland. We had guys at SC that never sniffed junior college. But they had pompadours, you know, they used to process their hair. They were, you know, the chicks with them smoking dope. They played football to get the girls. You understand yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, in other words, they looked like they were 30 years old and they were high school guys. <laughs> they were studs. But they, Julius Clark is one guy, great athlete. You know, I could name a whole John Grizzard. Great athletes that never sniffed college. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So it's, so it's all, if they had had a, a father schooling them to get good grades, they could have been NFL stars. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So it's, 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 it's all what we're exposed to. We're products of our environment, you know. And the time, now, thank God, these kids, you know, they know that they can make money in the NFL. And they, they have these high school things where they, rate, where they rate them and they see how good they are. And they, you know, which I think is good for the kids. You know, I think it's great. You know, these signing days and everything, it's a big deal. But I think it should be, you know what I mean? Because it gives them a little notoriety. I mean, if you're from the hood and you're getting a little notoriety for doing something good, I think that's, you know, terrific as opposed to, selling drugs or pimping on the corner. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the, the, uh, there's a search on for a new athletic director. Um, what are your thoughts? You, you any thoughts about uh, who, you think who, they, who you think should get the job or, or who they should be looking at or any, 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 any names being thrown around as possible? Well, they mentioned, they mentioned Sam Baker, who's a great guy. He's, I mean, uh, Dave Baker. His son was Sam Baker, a three-time All-American lineman. There, he was playing for the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, Dave was the commissioner of the uh, indoor football, you know, the Reno Football League. And uh, he's actually been out to Pasadena to see us a few times. Great guy, great people person, mm -hmm. which we need—a people person that can relate to people, outgoing people like him. He's a big guy. He looks like he was an ex—he was a basketball player, but he looks like he was a ex-offensive lineman. He's a great big guy, but super guy, nice guy. Everybody likes him. He'll light up the room, uh, outgoing, uh, and that's what SC needs, in my opinion. And he's and he's done this kind of work before, you know. Yeah. He was the, the he works for the NFL now. I think in some, I think he'd be a great choice, you know. And they got the guy at Arizona. I heard is a great choice. And then they say, uh, you know, this Lopes guy, you know, um, you know, I don't know. I I think that'd be good for them to go outside. That's what I think. You know, they, we've had enough inside stuff. I think it's good to get somebody outside that's a qualified, experienced in that kind of a deal. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we, there's a couple other things I want to talk about, you know, because you have, you know, we've talked to you about all the things you've gone through and experiences and who you worked for and places you want. Um, but, you know, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day about uh, somebody they know who who's going through some stuff with alcohol. And, and I said, you know, my, my, my buddy Bob, uh, you know, he's talked about that and he's talked about the you know, people he's helped and, and whatnot. You know, for for those listeners out there who are, who are struggling and, and and you know looking at uh, you know the, the the effects that it has on them and, and talking about rehab and stuff like that, can you can you throw out any advice for some of our listeners? Well, Keith, I can tell you, you know, I I my, I've kind of dedicated my life to this, and you know that's more important than any of the other stuff I've done in my life. All the outside stuff, it's it's you know I grew up when everybody drank. You know, I got a few years on you, Keith, but in my era. If you look at the old movies, everybody's got a drink in their hand. You know, you know, my father, I'm Irish Catholic, sat me on his lap when I was seven years old and said, son, don't ever trust a man that doesn't drink. So, you know, I grew up 
that's all I knew. And it's like it's like if you pull a baby out of the womb, and and when it's born, and you drop him on his head every day for the first nine months of its life, and you stop doing it, it's going to want to be dropped on its head every day because that's normal. And and drinking became normal to me. Everybody I hung around with, all the years I worked in baseball, who was I with? Bo Belinsky. You know who helped me? Sudden Sam McDowell was a left-handed pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. Was a, led the majors in strikeouts. This guy got, took me to meetings to talk to me about AA. He was sending me letters from Pittsburgh, and he got sober. He and I used to get drunk together, raise hell. He got sober five years before I did. I got letters from him. In 19, I got sober in 1984. He was writing me letters in 80, 79, 80, 81. You know, coming out to support me. Just to, and he's been sober 36 years. Yeah. I mean, he's a miracle. You know, he's a great guy. He's helped hundreds of people. He's worked for Major League Baseball. He's worked for the Texas Rangers and George Bush. Uh, you know, when Bush owned the Rangers, uh, helping all their alcoholic players. He's a certified addiction counselor. He's given his life to it, and he's a wonderful human being. And, I, and I'm so blessed. I mean, everybody I hung with was a drunk. You know, or you know, and then I and drugs. You know, it's the same thing. So. All I can tell you is, if you, you know, the, I used to tell my fighter, Johnny Tapia, who's dead now, God bless his soul. I said, Johnny, harder than any fight you were ever in is just staying clean one day at a time. Yeah. You know, staying clean. I said, if you do cocaine, speed balls, eight balls, this, that, it's not going to bring your mother back to life who was murdered brutally. It's not going to bring, in other words, the drinking is not, or the drugs is not going to help any situation you're in. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's only going to hurt you. And then you become, you know, there's this lady I know in Alcoholics Anonymous, a dear friend. She's, you know, she's, she was saying the other day at a meeting, she goes out in nature now and looks at nature. And, you know, and she was addicted for years. You know? mm-hmm. It's just like there's so many people that are, I started noticing butterflies, you know, the monarch butterfly. I raised cocoons in my backyard, you know, the, on milkweed, milkweed and watch yeah. the, and watch the, watch the egg turn into a caterpillar and then turn into a cocoon and then I see a beautiful monarch fly out of the cocoon. I loved it. Do you think I would have been doing that when I was sitting on bar stools? You know, falling off the bar stools, only thinking about the lifestyle that goes along with that and you know what that is. Yeah. In other words, I you know, I uh, you know, Sam McDowell of Sports Illustrated, Sam was a client of mine, a, a reporter asked him one time, they said, Sam, what's the hardest part of being in the big leagues? And he said, Oh, to try to explain to your wife why she has to get a penicillin shot for your arthritis. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and that's the way it was. Do you believe me? Everybody was drunk. This yeah. guy, this Rob Goldman, the guy who wrote the book on Once They Were Angels, he said instead of L.A. on the hat, they should have had A.A. I mean, I can go right through the whole team. Everybody in, Ryan Dern, the, uh, the pitcher, Alcoholics Anonymous, great guy. Uh, Bo Belinsky was with me in Alcoholics Anonymous. For, he was my first sponsor in A.A., 25 years, you know. Uh, you know, I could go right through. Art Fowler should have been an AA. You know, Leon Wagner died addicted to opium on the streets of South Central L.A. Yeah. You know, I could go right through the whole team. Ken Hunt. You know, I could go right through the whole team. And a lot of them ended up in AA. And, and, and Bo Belinsky used to say to me two things. He said, Bob, don't be so cool that you freeze to death. Yeah. And the other thing he said to me, for you, Bob, it's AA or amen. And believe me, you know, when I have... Friends, dear friends, Justin Dato, who I drank with for years, he came up to me one day and he said, Case, you got to get some help. Yeah. And one of my best friend, if somebody else had said that to me, I'd have knocked him out. You follow me? Right. But when your best friend that you've been drinking with for years says, Case, you got to get some help, uh, I, I listened to him and I believed him, you know, and thank God I did, you know, because 
everything I that's happened good in my life today, I owned Alcoholics Anonymous. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's it's an amazing thing. And you know, you have to meet life on life's terms, and everything isn't always rosy. But uh, you know, you just have to, you know, struggle and and so the support you get. I t- you know, you know, I had a guy tell me when I got sober. He said, Bob, recovery started with your first drink. I said, What are you talking about? He said, your recovery started with your first drink. I said, what do you mean? In other words, when I took my first drink when I was 13 years old, that was the beginning of my recovery because it got me to the point where I was divorced five times through all this crap, you know, just a mess. I was successful on the outside, dog, driving fancy cars, living in big homes, representing athletes, but I was dying on the inside. So, you know, it's an inside job, and that's what it's all about. What I've learned today is it's all on the inside. It doesn't matter. All this outside stuff is great. It's nice. It's just it's just like topping on the cake. But if you're if you're not happy on the inside, it's worthless. You know, like 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 they always say, when's the last time you saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul? You know? <laughs> words, all all this material stuff, you know, doesn't really matter doesn't if you're matter not happy at all. In, exactly. if you're not content on the inside. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. What you know? Just just to piggyback off this real quick. Uh, I mean. You know, you hear people say, well, the, the person's got to hit rock bottom. And, and you've, I've talked to friends of mine who, who say, you know, if I don't have this routine, if I, if I don't have this routine every day, then, then I, can't, I can't stay sober. And, 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 that, and it seems like there's got to be a, a, a kind of a happy medium because, I mean, you know, your the rest of the world still goes on around you. You still got to go to work. You still got to go do this. You still got to go do that. And I understand how important the meetings are. Um, but how important is it the person you know, is it for a person who's struggling uh, to find a, a routine and see nature, like you said, and experience those other things, uh, you know, to to uh, to help them throughout the life after after uh, going through all that? Well, Keith, the first step in Alcoholics Anonymous, the first five words of the first step is we admitted we were powerless hmm. over alcohol and drugs in our lives have become unmanageable. But we admitted we were powerless. Now think about this. If you drive down the street in a Testarossa and the engine blows up, you're sitting in the middle of the street with no power. So you gotta call AAA or you gotta call you gotta go to somewhere else to get some power. Right. And when we admitted we were powerless, we had to call on an outside power, which I happen to call God. You know, and you can call it whatever you want. I call it Jesus Christ and God. You know, but that's what I feel comfortable calling my hard part. But it doesn't, you know, Muhammad Ali said one of the greatest things he ever told me one time. He's, he's at my house, and he said, he said, Bob, you have many rivers. You have the Tigris, the Euphrates, the Nile, and they all lead to the same ocean. And and I think that's really true within religions. You know, I don't think one, I think if you're living the right way and believe in God, you know, I think it's all going to lead to the same ocean. And, you know, Ali said some amazing things to me, Keith, over the years. He really yeah. did. I think I told you about one of the times he was over here for dinner, and he said, he said, you know, things I never thought about as a white guy. You know what he said to me one time? He goes, he said it to my wife, actually. He goes, what color is angel food cake? And I said, white. What color is devil's food cake? I said, black. What do you wear at a funeral? Black. What do you wear at a wedding? White. What color horse does the good guy ride? White. What color horse does the bad guy ride? Black. You know, and then he said another one of the funniest lines I ever heard. You know what he said to me one time? Yeah. 
He said, Bob, every time I look at Howard Cosell, I'm glad that all niggers look the same. <laughs> right out of his mouth, so help me God. And that's when you didn't hear the N-word, you know what I mean? You didn't, he, he, I mean, he was, that guy was one of the funniest, most, I mean, a beautiful human being. He is, I mean, he is like a saint to me. You yeah, understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Not a bad bone in his, you talk about no prejudice to any race, nothing. He plays cards with little kids, shows them card tricks. You know, stands around. I mean, when he was healthy, you know, I, right, I hear right. now he can't even move hardly. You know, but just a great human being, witty, funny, intelligent. You know, uh, I, I got a picture here in my office. I was at his 40th birthday when he lived on Fremont Place down in Hancock Park, and it was January 17, 1980. But anyway, the bottom line is, you know, you have all these great memories, and you, I try to remember what a lot of these people say that I really respect and looked up to, and you know, and learned from. And you see a Muhammad Ali. Obviously, other than Jesus Christ, probably the most famous, and Adolf Hitler, the most famous person in the world. And you see how he treated people, and then you see how certain other people we've talked about on your show treat people, and you go, what's with that picture? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I, I was e just going to mention that. You know, I, EGO, <laughs> ego, exactly. edging God out. You get it? It was uh, when I was you know, growing up and youngster and stuff, and even you know, as, an, as an adult, I would never hear stories, of, negative stories about how Ali treated fans, uh, no matter where he was or Absolutely. what he was doing. And uh, it's like a daily, a daily report on TMZ or uh, you know Hollywood this or Hollywood that these days about how somebody who's uh, been successful because of their fans, whether it's music or sports or whatever, uh, treating their fans like crap. Yeah, but Keith, did I tell you that Casey Stingle, I told this to this guy that's writing this book on Casey Stingle. This is one, you know he's the Hall of Fame manager, the only Absolutely. manager in history to win five straight world titles with the New York. We were coming back from New York one night, and this is something, I, you know how much I, I've always said, the 10 years I was with him is better than any degree at Harvard or, or the Wharton School of Business or USC or any of those 10 years. You know what he said to me? We came off a flight at 1.30 in the morning, and I never forgot this. And... We come off the tarmac at LAX, and there's like 15 kids waiting at 1.30 in the morning, and they have baseballs and bubblegum cards and photos for him to sign Mets, pennants. This is when he was with the Mets. And he signed every one. And I said, Casey, does that ever, does that bother you at 1.30 in the morning to have to do this? You know what he said to me, and I never forgot it. He said, Bob, those people are as much a part of baseball as Babe Ruth. Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, Hank Aaron, Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, Yogi Berra. He named all. He said, the peanut vendor, the hot dog salesman, the ushers, the equipment managers, the the guys in the parking lot to park your cars. They're all a part of what baseball is, and I never forgot that. Yeah. I never forgot that. In other words, it's not just guys hitting home runs. You know, it's not. It's and you know he had an unlisted phone number till the day he died. Uh, you know you could two four one four zero four one Casey Stingle sixteen sixty three Grandview Glendale. In other words, fans would come to his house and knock on his door. They'd out here visiting from New York. We just wanted to see her. Would you would you mind signing a baseball or sign? He'd say, "Come on in." Wow. He'd have, he'd have Edna making some cokes, show him his trophy room, talk to strangers for a half an hour. You know why? Because he was that's a true ambassador. You couldn't pick up a tab for him like some of these other people we've talked about that never pick up a tab, you know. But Casey was a true, he took care of the little guy. He, used to, he, he told me, Keith, to the day he died, 
Bobby, always take care of the little guy. That's another one of the great things. I've always tipped well, take care of the shoeshine guy at the Essex House, but take care of the little guy. Right. And I never forgot that, you know. And there are some people that we've talked about in your show that don't know how to do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, uh, they, they, they just don't know how to do it. It's not a part of their DNA. And for whatever reason, I have no idea. But, you know, and so I learned a long time ago, you don't big league people. You don't act superior to people. You don't, you, you know, you see Casey Stingle, you see Muhammad Ali, who we just talked about. I saw how he treated people, you know. I, I, he was unbelievable with people, you know. And uh, you see that kind of stuff and you go, who are some of these other people? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, you mentioned that. There's so many people that you hear these stories about and you're thinking, you know, what makes you think you're you're so special that, uh, you know, the, the people who actually may, you know, give you a, a provide you with a, a, a luxurious living, uh, you treat like crap. And then some of these exactly. guys, some of these people, you're thinking, you really got no reason to be treated by that crap. I mean, you should exactly. Be- <laughs> Most of them, you know, if it wasn't, half these guys, Keith, if it wasn't for sports, they'd be collecting garbage. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. In other words, they happen to have a God gift, and they should be grateful for that. Exactly. Every day they go to bed, they should thank God for the gift they have, because it takes, that's a God-given talent to be a Major League Baseball player or an NFL player. It's, 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 you know, sure, they have to work hard, but it's a God-given talent. You know, not everybody's born with that talent, so you should be thankful to God, you know, happy to spread the wealth around. Now, what's it take to sign an honor? You know, I, I've seen guys... People come up and ask them for an autograph, and they have to give them a big lecture instead of signing the autograph. It takes 10 seconds to sign your name. Right. The guy's happy. The guy will never forget his. You know what I used to tell the players I represented? I used to say, look, you know, if you're working in a gas station, nobody's going to want your autograph. I said, the only guy that ever asked me for mine was the hired patrolman. <laughs> and I said, if, I said if, if, if somebody asks you for your autograph, you may be in Ottumwa, Iowa, and they've never seen a major league player in their life. Right. And if they ask you for their autograph, they might tell their grandchildren, hey, I saw Tony Oliva in, 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 in Kmart, and he gave me his autograph. Yeah. I saw the great Tony. He won three batting titles. I, that might go all through the and, the, and the baseball might be in his, his den for the rest. Of his, when he dies, his grandchildren have that baseball that Tony Oliva signed, or Ernie Banks, or whoever it might be. In other words, that is how important it is to just spread the wealth. You don't have to give them money, but spread your wealth around. Make them feel a part of you and what you've what you've achieved. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense, Bob. Man, I like I said, every time we chat, I, we could talk all night. But uh, you know, I got AD waiting in the wings. And oh, I, good. I, I, I just want to. Well, will you say hi to him for me? I definitely will, man. I want to thank you once again for for joining us and and you know talking about some serious stuff here and, and uh, sharing your knowledge and. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure it helps people, and, and if nothing else, uh, you know, I can pass well, it on. Well, I'm proud. You know, you know, you know something? It's, it's, it's like people, if they're, if they're beating this thing, you, 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 you know the only way I'll beat this disease? It's, it's like watching your mother drive off a cliff in your new Cadillac. When I beat this is at my funeral, and I haven't had a drink until I die. That's when you beat it. Right. Other than that, we're recovering. We're not recovered. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's one day at a time. And if you don't drink today, you'll never drink because it's always today. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got you, man. Okay, Keith, but God bless you, and I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you, you too, Bob. Okay, ciao. Yes, and the Swoops are on the Talk Story Radio Network. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, that was a great Bob Case. Always uh, always a blast to have a chance to chat with him. And, 
You know, he's 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 you know he's just a special guy uh, as part of part of our show. We we love having a chance to talk to him. Going to take a quick break. Uh, listen to Alter Alter Billies and uh, come back and get Anthony Davis on the line. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network. Back after this. Way up yonder is a special place made for you and made for me. I'm in the car next to you on the highway. I sit in front of you on the bus. I'm one out of every six Americans, and I'm struggling with hunger. This isn't an uncontrollable epidemic. There's enough food in this country to feed every hungry person. Please, visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 
My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Hi, we're the Enablers, enablers, and and you're you're listening listening to to Swoop Swoops Roll on Talk Story Radio Network. That means it's about time for AD to be calling in. So we are uh, waiting for him to call in for just a second. But we want to thank, uh, once again, Bob Cates for, uh, for joining us on the show tonight. Uh, like I said, it's always a pleasure to have a chance to talk to Bob. And uh, he's done so many things. And, he, and he's, uh, you know, he's so well-versed in so many things that we just enjoy having an opportunity to chat with him. Once again, we want to remind everybody, next week on Swoops World, David Martinez, singer-songwriter, will be joining us at the 8 o'clock hour. And uh, he'll be pre- presenting some new music he's got coming up on a new CD that's about to come out. And we look forward to chatting with him about that. Um, what else is everybody doing? We want to know, man. There's so many things that are coming up this week. we got the Oscars coming up. you still got this whole presidential uh, race going on and these caucuses and pr- uh, primaries and and uh, a lot of mudslinging going on. And uh, do you enjoy this time of year? I mean, a lot of times... Uh, so, you know, we were, I was chatting with somebody the other day and we were just saying, you know, this this whole primary season or run up to the election seems to get further and further out every year, start further and further out every time around. Ah, this is Ray Anthony Davis call in. We'd like to welcome to the show five-time national champion, two-time All-American out of USC, the great Anthony Davis. How you doing, man? Good evening. It's all good, man. First of all, I got to say a good... Uh, a good friend of yours from 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 way back, uh, Bob Case, was on a little bit ago, and he he said, "Give you a shout out, say hello to you when uh, when you come on." So uh, I'm passing that on. Okay, that's great. Bob's Bob Case is a character. <laughs> <laughs> what can you say? You know, he's a character. He's always fun. He's always informative, and and we have a good time when, when he's on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. right. Bob's Bob's a character, and he. And he's got he's got a plenty to say, and he's not afraid to say it. Well, yeah, that's the one thing I give to him that uh, I understand is that he will say what's on his mind. A lot of people don't do that, but now these days, nowadays that's politically correct to do it. Look at the look at the president, the presidential candidates, Donald Trump. He set the tone for everybody. <laughs> I mean, he 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 tells it the way it is, and I've been known to be that way too. So, uh, and uh, you know, I've always been that way. I mean, I paid the price for it, but that's been Anthony Davis for 
last 40 something years. So I'm, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change then. I'm not going to change now. Oh, you're not going to change, man? <laughs> I'm not changing it all for anybody. You know? I mean, people want to hear the truth these days. Yeah, absolutely. They don't, they don't want to hear the fluff and the ice cake and all. They want to hear the real guts. Well, let's uh, let's 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 start talking about some of those things. You know, I'm gonna I want to touch on a couple couple things that uh, that uh, Bob and I talked on, and and uh, I just kind of get your thoughts on some things too. We were talking about the uh, the new recruits coming in, uh, and then uh, we talked a little bit about baseball too. I know you're 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 you know three time national champion on the SC baseball team, so let's just start with baseball. We so so often we start with football with you, but uh, have you been following the team? Uh, they're off to a two and two start. Uh, you keeping track of what's going on over there? And if so, uh, what are your thoughts the season going to look like for them? Well, I mean, uh, a, l- a little bit. I mean, I haven't really followed intently. Yeah. But I understand they have some they have good talent over there. Just a matter of, you know, but everybody else is good, too. You know, you got, you know, you got Cal State Fullerton. You got UCLA's come up, UC Irvine. And, of course, you know, the Pac-12 uh, is still great. And then when you get, when you get down in the southern schools, Louisiana, LSU, Florida, Miami, uh, these these teams have been there all all these times as well. So uh, nationally, you know, I think they're in the hunt, but uh, they have to come up and, and be competitive in terms of all these other great programs and stuff. And you got to remember, a lot, of, a lot of the top talent now is not uh, going to college because of the kind of money these kids are making now, the kind of money you can put aside for your, your education and your educational funds. So a lot of the top kids and the top Ten of the top twenty picks are going straight to the make, going straight into baseball, and probably spend about a year or so in the minors and to the big club. Yeah, that's that's really hurt baseball because of the money, the escalation in money. You know that's been going on in baseball for probably like thirty plus years now, man. I mean, top 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 picks are going uh, going right into the majors. Uh, you know, doing doing a year or two uh, if necessary in, in the minors and double A, triple A, and then uh, and then breaking in. Um, but it hasn't seemed to hurt, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the actual play on the field is, uh, you know, they, they don't, they don't allow, that's one of the few sports that that's allowed to happen. And I think you can't do that in basketball anymore. Uh, you can't do it in football. Um, why do you think it works in baseball and not in these other sports? I really don't know. It's probably the nature of the sport. It was, uh, you know, you go in and it depends on each, from organization to organization, what their needs are, how fast those guys go up. And if you're a top pick, uh, that's what seems, that's what, to me, that's what happens. I mean, if you're a top pick and the kind of money they got you invested, that's why you move real fast. But the body, you got to be a top pick. Now, sometimes guys that are the lower rounds, like the third, fourth, fifth rounds in baseball, they might spend three or four years in the minors. I think a lot of times when the money the money is put into these guys is simply just just telling the facts about it. The more money they put it put in, the faster you're going to move, and they got to show that investment. So, uh, in most in the most part, they're pretty on top of that when they do that. But a lot of times, a lot of these guys sit in the minor leagues, and and and, and a lot of the, it varies from organization to organization. And a lot of these guys don't move because of the talent pool ahead of them. And then if they see the guy is great and great for the organization, he might be stuck there. Because, you know, because they they not, may not get traded, and with free agency now, it it, it, it happens to be even better now. Because back when I was being drafted, there was no free agency. I come out of high school, right. but in '76, the first year, in, you know, my second year in the pros in football, free agency passed. So that that changed a lot of things for me too back then. But nowadays, with free agency and stuff, 
but also the talent pool clogs up certain teams versus a guy coming up into the major leagues. So uh, I think that's the reason why what you see now. You know what's interesting, though, is, is, is the basketball allowed it for a while to, to come out of high school into the pros, and then they stopped it. But you could look, you could look at the guys who did it, though. I mean, you're talking about Kobe. Uh, you're talking about, uh, I believe, LeBron, Kevin Garnett. I mean, a lot of these guys were are definite Hall of Famers. <laughs> I, I, why, do, why do you think they put uh, – but you know, stopped allowing that to happen uh, when uh, a lot of the top talent that's still in the league uh, went that route. Well, I think what they're trying to do, I think they're trying to save the college game. You know, pretty much. I mean, if you, you know, that's why they're putting a certain amount of time on these guys coming out. Because I mean, you got guys going out of high school, you wouldn't have any college. Uh, but but I believe that even with the basketball, football, especially basketball, you're talking about the, coming out of high school. There's only so many spots in basketball now. That's why you got the D leagues and you got the Europe European leagues and you got the league in China. But it's more talent now. It gets very tough now to even get an NBA. Now I think it's good because I think it's kids that can play all through college sports, but they're just not getting their shot. If they're not a lottery picker, they're not in the top twenty eight, twenty nine picks, there's no telling what might happen, you know. So, uh, and and basically everything is driven by the money. Right. If they invest, if they invest, if they if they invest top dollars in you, they're gonna put that time in you. And sometimes it's a mistake, sometimes it's not. And sometimes you see guys that come in as free agents become superstars in the league. That's always happened across the board. Period. Right. It's interesting that uh, you know they they put that that age cap on these guys, and, and but it's not keeping them in college either. I mean, a lot of them are just you know they're coming in, they're playing two years, and boom, bouncing to the to the major, you know, to the NBA. Um, and what I what I what I would like to see, I would like to see all sports go at least to their junior years. Yeah, this junior years period put a cap on it, and that's it. I mean, and I wouldn't be wouldn't be it wouldn't bother me, especially in uh, uh, basketball to go four years because the animal of any other sport is different. But basketball, you can go there and mature and do a lot of things, and then also it'll preserve the college game and also it'll help the maturity of them coming into the NBA. You know, for some reason, sometimes when you see a guy that's seven foot eight—I mean, I'm seven foot seven, six foot eight or seven feet—it seems it seems like the baby Huey type of syndrome, where you know he, he needs to mature a little bit more. Right. He's got that big body, but his, his his maturity is not there. So, I would like to see even more of the years in college instead of high school or just the first year and out, one and done. Yeah, I've I've actually heard uh, interviews with some college coaches who've talked about. Uh, you know that the, the time that those guys spend learning the fundamentals uh, in college uh, is a huge difference. Uh, you know, maybe I don't know if it's more than other sports, but it's a huge difference from a guy who comes and plays one year out of high school and then goes in the NBA. You know, you got a guy who's played four years and developed, like you said, beyond the baby Huey stage, uh, learned the fundamentals of the game a little bit more. Uh, they come out m- much more prepared after playing three or four years uh, of college ball. But also, too, but also too, the maturity of the real world, real life. You see, a lot of these guys, 17, 18 years old, going into the NBA, got all this big money, they got all the fanfare, they got all the people coming, all the women, all this, the whole lifestyle changes. You go from eating hamburgers one day to driving Rolls Royces and women chasing you and all this other kind of stuff. So that is a whole other lifestyle changing. So therefore... They need that time to, 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 to mature and experience. And even when you do go four years, you still got to deal with that. But coming out of high school, the first year in college, 
I mean, you, 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 you're stepping to a lion's den when you do that. I've seen it happen. Yeah. It's, 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 it's something, you know, it, it, like you said, it's a big change. Uh, you know, you go from having nothing to, to everything, uh, pretty much overnight. So it's, uh, it's got to be more than just a, a learning experience. Uh, we, not just the game, but as, as well as just life. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a, it's a life changing situation. And then also the thing is, it's, it's, it's not type of a lifestyle where, you know, you can get into it and you can mature, you can lose a whole bunch of money. It's a short window. I mean, it's a longer window in the NBA than in football. You can say, for example, but it's a short window. Sport is a sport is a short window because you got the rest of your life to live. You got guys out of the game at 25, 30 years old. And you got the rest of your life to live. Right. A lot of guys don't get prepared for that. I can I can talk about some of my ups and downs, and I'm probably considered one of the mature guys coming out. But the thing is, it's a short window. It's a short time. Some more, some less. Some guys playing football two years and they're done. Some guys play five years and they're done. The rarities is ten and ten years and plus. I call those the I call those the one the guys because those guys have made so much of a career out of it. You you, you talk about in basketball Kobe Bryant twenty years. You talk about uh, Peyton Manning twenty years. You talk Tom Brady seventeen eighteen years. Well, those are career years. These guys have made substantial financial hikes in their life in their lifestyles, where most guys don't get that. So if you're playing five years plus and you come out with great then, then you can say you made something. But a lot of most of them don't. The percentage of guys, I think it's 95% of the guys who really don't really do it, and there's only an upper 5%, I think that number is, that, that actually achieve some type of career goal that way, but most of them don't do that. That's why you got to prepare off the field, and you got to start preparing when you're in college, decide, hey, if it doesn't happen, I need to go concentrate on this education, and, and whatever I do, I need to sock it away. That, that brings up a good point. Why do we hear, uh, I hear about some, some guys, you know, they, they, they come out of the game, they own, you know, they own every car dealership in, a, in, a, in the state, and, uh, you know, these are big, big time, uh, uh, not necessarily construction, uh, you know, corporations and, and things like that. They set themselves up. Uh, you know, you look like at a, at a, at a Magic who, who's done real well. I know uh, Dr. Jerry Buss took him under his wing. But right. why, 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 are, why are these types of uh, results far and few between? Uh, you know, I know, there are a lot of people that come out of the game successful, but we, don't, we, don't, we hear a lot about the failures. And, and why do you, what do you think is, is the cause of a lot of, the, a lot of the failures? Well, first of all, you've got to remember a lot of guys, especially a lot of inner city guys, and, I, and, I, and I'm sort of a victim of that, too, because, I mean, look, when you don't have financial literacy, you got a problem. And I, I suffered a little bit of that as well, but some even worse than that. When, when, when you're financially literate, that's when if you don't know money structure, if you don't understand the fundamental of a dollar in business, if you don't have anybody that's sort of giving you some kind of guides or have some fundamental things about how money works, that's the trap you fall into. For example, if a guy said, most kids, if a guy says you got a $5 million bonus, well, that's not a $5 million bonus. That's really a $2.5 million bonus after taxes. Well, a lot of guys don't know that you have to pay the IRS unless you have a structure or defer a lot of that stuff, that you've got to pay the government half of that. Right. You see, so that's one indication which, 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 which I learned real quick because a lot of guys don't understand that. And so you have to have somebody to either work with you and you've got to know something. You've got to be, you got to be somewhat savvy to understand the dollars. If 50 cents is sitting there, you got really got a quarter. That's how you got to think. Yeah. 
and then you know you you, you got you got to diversify your money out, and you got to put some away just for a cold rainy day. Right? They don't they don't think like that because a lot of people think that they're invincible, that it's going to never go away, and it, it, all the money's going to always be there. Is there you know? Do you think that... I know I know I know the NBA, I think Major League Baseball, NBA, they have think they the thing where they have little seminars where they try to talk to rookies and stuff. But some you would think. Some it would it would sink into some of these guys, but it doesn't. Right. You know, they they still fall in the pit, pits of, you know, throwing their money away, doing crazy things. Instead of buying one car, they buy ten. <laughs> you know, if you if you, if you if you if you if if instead of buying uh, a little car, or something you want to fix. If you, if you bought if you bought like five old clunkers and stuff, you want to invest in them and stuff. That's one thing. But to go buy five roses or buy five Mercedes. I mean that doesn't make any sense because yeah. it, it, the car devalues. At least if you get old classic, at least it goes up some in value. But uh, you know these guys are trying to keep with the Joneses. They got a bunch of buy a bunch of jewelry. When you walk around, it look like a jewelry store. And uh, you know, I mean, and, and the reason I speak this way because I, I fell off in a little bit of that. But but I understand when people, when people hear, well, so and so blew his money. I understand because I've saw some. I've I've been I've done a little bit of that myself. Not to say some of these people. But uh, it's just amazing if you try to tell them, you say, you know, and, and you got to remember, you got a kid that's grew up eating hamburger and, and barely getting that. All of a sudden, one day he's a millionaire. I mean, it's, it's hard to turn that faucet off once it's on. You got to sort of sort of put, drip it, you gotta cut it on, cut it off, and that's what they have to learn. Yeah, and you and you would you would hope that they do. I mean, I saw I saw an interview uh, years ago with uh, Jay Leno. And uh, I mean, this is the height of his uh, uh, late night talk show and everything. And and he's just you know just you know all the cars and everything. And they asked him about that. And he says, "I have no debt." He says, I, uh, "He says I, I've everything I buy, I pay cash for. I have no credit card debt. I have no mortgage. I have nothing." He says, "If I and if I can't afford it outright, I don't get it." And uh, and you know it's it's an interesting it's interesting to hear something like that from somebody that's you know was just so wealthy that you think he's you know right. borrowing against his income or whatever you know you know a lot of these guys fall into and uh and here's a guy who's just he's banking most of his money because he you know with the exception of those cars he pretty much just buys what he needs and uh and goes from there right so, you know so much like you were just saying that these guys need to learn learn uh how how the, how the money works right well i'm like that i think like jay leno and uh what i have i own I mean, and, you know, and that's and that that's the way it is. I mean, even in my at my age now, I I, I know better. I know what to do, and, uh, and a lot of guys. And believe it us, there's a lot of people that think like Jay. In a lot of ways, I mean, and that's his philosophy. You know, if he can't buy it, he doesn't buy it. But when he buys it, he he buys it off. Yeah. So then I think the same way. We uh, we talk about you know we talk about this uh, you know kind of growing up uh, in, in the sport and and establishing yourself so you you know you have you, you have life after your sport. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the things you and I were texting about. Uh, you know you build a, a reputation and uh, you know you get to the end of your career and then uh, you know it seems like somebody's out to get you and you know, things start coming out about you. Uh, you know, you and I were talking about um, Peyton Manning, and a couple articles came out about him. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on things like this? Well, first of all, it's very confusing. It's, man, this man goes through all these years, great years, two Super Bowls, and now you got this allegations woman. Now you got to go to HGH and all this. Well, what is that about? Uh, the HGH thing, I brushed it off. 
I mean, I don't know whether that, I think that was just a, a, somebody just trying to uh, witch hunt him, doing him like that. But the thing with this female was a little disturbing because I understand he had a, a so-called confidentiality agreement that he was supposed to expose anything. Why well, just let it go? I mean, I didn't understand that. I really didn't understand that at all. And, uh, and where smoke it is fire. And if, and if that did happen, and it, and it was allegations of that, and then it, and then the fact is that it was a, a, a confidentiality agreement, and you broke that, why to do that? Why, why take on that heat and tell in your career, have you had a illustrious career? I don't get that. Leave that alone. Yeah. It's if a- everything that was in the trash, because you know half the time people say something to the president, half of it ain't true anyway. And as we know, the, the days of the Internet and social media, you can create anything you want. So uh, if this is true, you should have just left it alone. If it's not true, hey, I'm gonna forget about it. But obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of heat to it, so it's still they're still out there. Yeah, uh, I'm you know I'm kind of I haven't been following it vigorously. I've kind of looked at it. You know, we're talking about uh, some some collegiate stuff, and back in '96, uh, you know, some of the articles say you know. He mooned, he mooned somebody. Some say it was a little bit more to that. Uh, regardless of what it is, you know, it, 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 one of the things is is I, I kind of look at things uh, in the big picture. Um, and you're right. If you have if you have a confidentiality agreement, you need to abide by that and, and kind of let things go. Uh, but also, you kind of look at things and say, well, you know, none of us have, none of us have gone gone through life unscathed. Uh, has you know has a man done, done led an exemplary life? Uh, with the exception of that, then uh, you know it doesn't really. I don't really see the whole the whole deal. And maybe there's more to it that I don't know about, um, and maybe I need to do some more research on it. But what I've seen so far, I, I'm not. I'm not. Other than the fact that they broke the confidentiality agreement, I'm not seeing anything that's. We've seen. We've seen and heard a whole lot worse from college kids and uh, and adults uh, that continued on. So. I'm kind of. I think if it wasn't him, it would not be uh, anything. If it was well, even, with, re- even with the confidentiality agreement, right? But that, that's because it is him. See, that's the thing. Him being him, and all of a sudden you go the straight line of being football royalty, the family the ambassadors of pro football, Eli and him and Archie, the the, the patriot of the whole family and stuff like that, who started it all off. Then he has his offsprings of Peyton and, and Eli coming through. And they have four Super Bowls amongst the two. That's the reason why. That's the reason why the spotlight's on him. Now, if it had been someone else, uh, been nothing. They might have even hit the paint. Nothing. But since it is Peyton Manning, Super Bowl champ, and the, and the way he won the Super Bowl, that's the reason why everybody's looking at him now. And, that, and that's the reason why. And that, whether or not it's a witch hunt now to expose him for something, did he piss somebody off, and they feel they can do some of this social media thing now today? That's probably why they're doing it. That's the reason why I'm saying that when you're in the limelight and you're somebody of reputation on the past and present, people are always trying to do something special today to either embarrass you or bring you down. Well, if you want to try to do something to me, you do what you want. I'm from the streets of Pacoima, and, and you know, and, 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 and by nature, I'm a hard head anyway. They have to play football with the USC. And nothing you can say about me is going to bother me. So if you want to start talking, start talking. It doesn't bother me. But some people got don't have thick skin like me. They, I, can, I can care less what they say about me. And I think at this stage of the game, I think Peyton thinks that way. But why, why go through all of that? I mean, it, it just the fact is, the fact that he's Super Bowl champ Peyton Manning, 
he's always going to be a target. Remember, when you're on top of the mountain, somebody's always trying to shoot you off. It don't matter what creed you are, what color you are, what religion you are, whatever you are. Somebody's always aiming for the top to get you. Oh, yeah, that's true. And and, and, and the thing is, is when these allegations occurred, he was nowhere near a Super Bowl champion. He, was, he wasn't even in the, in the league then. And uh, that's the kind of stuff to kind of, uh, and I kind of, kind of wonder about, uh, you know, with, with, with certain allegations like that. I mean, you know, uh, but like you said, they brought proud of it on themselves by uh, violating or possibly violating the uh, confidentiality agreement. And uh, well, time will tell what, what, what happens to that and, and if it ch- changes anybody's thoughts on his legacy. I, I doubt that it does, uh, but uh, we'll see. No. No, I mean, it won't. I mean, I think somebody was trying to knock him off, just like uh, Bill Pullman was talking about. He thinks it's a witch hunt. And I tend to lead toward that. But if, if there's any truth to, to the fact that that he broke that, 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 that could be a little bit of a mistake. But overall, I think everything will be intact for him. Ad, you've been around a long time, man, and, and you've been in the, you've been in the, in, the, in, the, in the spotlight and and, and seen it all. Uh, why do you think there is this uh, this tendency? Uh, I know with the social media and things are, are a little bit more fast paced than back in the day, but there seems to always have been this tendency. Let's 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 knock off people who who have tried to do good or try to be successful or, or I, you know, I understand you want to knock off the champ when you're playing against the champ, but uh, I, I, we, we've seen this a lot in, in all walks of life, uh, not just sports, but in all walks of life. It's always seems like somebody trying to knock somebody down. What, what do you think the, the basis behind that? That's human nature. It's just human nature. I mean, you get in every species. It's just a, the, the species on earth, man is worse than any other animal. You see it with the lions, you see it in the tigers, you see it in the, the deers, you see it in the wolves, the packs. You know, human beings, human beings, they're the leading pack in doing that. You know, and it's really a month. Resentment and jealousy is a sickness. Yeah. And, and I've, I learned that at the early age. I just remember, I remember one time, you know, at 13, 14, I had no clue about me being a male or a female, getting to see a female, and all of a sudden, these two females had a thing for me and stuff, and all of a sudden, a couple of the males in the school didn't like the fact that the girls liked me. And all of a sudden, I said, man, I don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> this, these girls that like, these girls that, that I like, like you. And, and why you? I said, hey, man, I don't know anything you're talking about. <laughs> Matter of fact, I didn't even know who the girls were. So I found out then that, you know, they had a fancy for me, but this guy didn't like it. Yeah. And I learned then that, you know, that, you know, uh, that's the nature of the beast. And as I grew to mature, I saw more and more of it. And even to this day at my age, you still see the same thing. You see still the pecking order type of thing and the try to the dominance of the male dominance. And also I see the gender issues and stuff both on both sides of the line. So uh, it's always been that way. Before I got here, and it's going to be that way after I leave here. <laughs> but, like, but, 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 like, but like I said earlier in the broadcast, come on with it. I got, I got thick skin. It doesn't bother me anything, any way it goes. I can handle anything you want to throw at me. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on... Uh, on, on uh... <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on, uh, on, on the, uh, the soon-to-be uh, vacancy over at SC? Uh, you, you got any thoughts about... Uh, you put in your resume or what? I mean, who, who, who are they looking at for the ne- next AD? Well, you know, I really don't know who the XAD. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not in that, that resume type of thing. I'm not in the hunt for that. Uh, um, the 
discussions with USC about different things, you know, talking to some people over there about speaking engagement with alumni and alumni house and stuff of that type. I still sort of support the school because it is my school, even though it's had some downtime and down years and some some controversies with, with, with Pat Hayden and, and, and his, his regime over there at the time. And uh, I don't know. I've heard different names thrown out there, uh, and I think it's going to be a national search. I've even thought that J.K. might have a shot at being there. I mean, he, he's lay of the land. He's, he's a pedigree. His father was athletic director and the head coach. I think he could be in the running, but I'm not sure about that. There's been different rumors that he will just move on, and it's a national search. But I'm not part of that, but I do support whoever they bring in there. I just want to see the brand come back. Yeah. You see, USC is a brand. And what a lot of people need to understand, and I know the Board of Trustees, the President, everyone around, and the great alumni that we have over there, they realize we have a brand. I represent a, I represent a brand, and they need to get that brand back. The, the, the thing that, that puts the pressure on the USC program over there is the fact when you see national champions, when you see All-Americans and Heisman Trophy winners, and in me, particularly being a five-time national title, All-American in both sports, that is the brand. And so we have to live to that brand and anybody that comes into school has to realize that you got to live to that brand and you got to perform to that brand. That's the pressure of USC. Yeah. And and I'm sure all the candidates know that. And I hope they they pick a great one, a good one. Now support whatever comes what what comes about. That's the only thing you can do. You know, I'm not going to be one of these guys where I publicly badmouth the universe what they did. Is I'm not doing that. Whatever it is is a down period, and I'm support whatever they have there and be a major supporter and still be one of the players that helped build that brand. And I want to see it get back. Now, from an arrogant standpoint, I'm going to say, well, I'm part of that brand, and I want whoever comes to bring it back to that brand. I want to see the Rose Bowl appearance. I want to see the national championship runs every year. That's the pressure of being, being a USC person. Well, that's, that's what the – standard that you guys set in the 70s, man, that uh, everybody has come to expect. <laughs> well, you know, that, like, like I said, if, if uh, I can tell you that, you know, I might say this, and, and some people will disagree with some will, the fact of the matter is I played in the greatest time in school's history, and we set the tone. And I was there when I was part of, I was part of uh, five national champions in two different sports. I saw baseball. I saw swimming. I saw track. And, and in that decade, we saw some of the greatest performances and some of the greatest athletes in the school's history. Right. So we stayed, so that, that, that decade set the, the, the tone. And it starts with the early 70s with the McKay teams in football and the Dato Rod, Dato teams in baseball. And I was part of those teams and the long history of what goes has gone over there, and that is what set the set. That's where the pressure comes. When you walk around, you hear those names, you hear those national titles, all the All-Americans in that period, that went on and became great pros and Olympians and all that. That is what the pressure comes. And anybody that comes in on that steps on that campus, they have to realize that. You know, USC is one of the top programs of all time, if not in the top five of all time. And arguably, you can say the top one or two, three of all time, you know. So uh, you get arguments with Ohio State and the Michigans, and you talk about, you know, the Alabamas and the Texas and all this kind of stuff. But the bottom line is, and I'm gonna say this, you know, we played the greatest. We played the greatest. We set the tone of the greatest rivalry of all time, USC Notre Dame. 
I mean, it's just the programs have been going up and down. But bottom line is, the legendary of those two universities, starting back in the twenties, with the Newt Rockneys and the Leahys and the McKays and the Robinsons, and all the way on up, those two programs set the tones of the great rivalries of all time. That's why I call it the number one of all time. Not disrespecting the rest of them. But it's all the legendary things, all the Heisman Trophy winners, all the All-Americans, and all the great performances on both sides is what sets that apart from everyone else. Yeah. Now, somebody's going to probably call and tell you, Anthony Davis is smoking something. <laughs> <laughs> but I, truly, I strongly believe that. And I'm going to tell him that, that AD don't care what you say about him. Well, I really don't care. I mean, that's what I feel. And I'm sure, I'm sure a bunch of Notre Dame people and USC people will totally agree with me on that. Uh, you know, that rivalry set the set the stage, because I remember talking talking to people, and I've talked to guys old time and older than I am, who said, you know, if they weren't at the game, that they it was back in the day it was only two major networks, two, four, and seven, right. and everybody in the country wanted to see on Channel Seven, ABC, USC Notre Dame. Whoa, the whole country man. was waiting to see that game. Yeah, you know, it wasn't really a lot of regional stuff, but now it was just that those three channels, and it was on one of those three. It happened to be ABC. People saw that game, and and millions of people in America saw that given game. And I happened to be on play on three of them, where I'm pretty known for having eleven touchdowns against the great Notre Dame and all those yards and touchdowns. So, but also it was part of a legacy of the of the great rivalry of USC Notre Dame. You see, a lot of people have always told me. He says, one guy told me some. He, he said he prided himself on being somewhat of a historian. He goes, "It's not that you scored the three, t- the, the, the eleven touchdowns against the 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 three three teams of Notre Dame. No, you scored eleven touchdowns on the legacy of Notre Dame in the rivalry. That that's what it represents. That's what he said. You, yeah. you did it against the legacy of Notre Dame." I says, "Wow, that's that's a good way of putting it." But uh, that's the reason why I speak strongly about those two universities. Yeah. As a matter of fact, who knows? With a little luck and with persuasion, I could end up being at Notre Dame, but it didn't happen. <laughs> well, some of us are very glad you didn't, man. <laughs> hey, before we wrap things up, there's a couple more things I want to, I want to chat with you about. Uh, Bob and I were talking earlier, and we were talking about, uh, you know, people, how people treat uh, fans, celebrities treat, treat fans, ball players treat fans. I've seen you uh, so many times in, in public, and, and people recognize you, and and you'll have conversations with them, and, and you'll chat with them, and you'll sign stuff with them, and and uh, you know we so we hear stories about people who don't want to be bothered and stuff like that, but you seem to be appreciative of it. And then uh, you know we had a conversation a few weeks ago about. Uh, 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 Buffalo Wild Wings and how they how they treated the fans that uh, that, that wanted to, wanted your autograph and whatnot. Um, you know, do you ever get tired of it uh, when people coming up to you and, and, and talking to you? It's always going to be about the Notre Dame and the SC games and and all your accomplishments and, and wanting to take pictures and, and sign autographs. But uh, you seem to you seem to enjoy it. Well, no, man. You know, I'm, you know, me being a communications major at USC and being around people and talking to people, I'm making talks and speeches. Listen, look, I love the fans, and I really love the kids, too, to come up. You know, that's what gives me a bigger joy than anything. When I see a little kid comes up and uh, with a piece of paper or something in his hand, he, he, he asks me that, that, that makes money, because you never know. When you, when you run into a child 
and the child sees you. Those few seconds can determine some, they can do something to that child. And when I see people come up to me and say, you know, I was there, I saw you run those touchdowns, and, uh, you know, that's fine. And, and, I, and I appreciate them appreciating what I did. I give them my time because if it wasn't for the fans, I wouldn't be who I am. And what I try to emphasize the ball players, pro, college, whatever, whenever you have a fan, stop and talk to you. It might be annoying sometimes, but give them those few seconds because those are the people that make everything happen. Without those people, you're nothing. Right. When those people spend their hard dollars to come see you play, never forget that. I've ever heard horror stories how some guys mistreated the public and stuff like that. you got to remember, they might, be, they might be fanatical or whatever, but if those fanatical fans are not up there, we have no product and perform and, and, and do well. And, you know, I don't care what time of night it is, where I am. I can be at a gas station. I can be at a service station. I can be walking out of my office. I mean, I stop and give people my time. Yeah. I always did. I've always been that way, and I've always advocate that, you know. Uh, and, and, I, and I've always tell people, and one guy would tell me, he says, you know, you just, you know, you're, you're just a regular guy. I says, that's all I am. Because remember one thing I would tell him. We come in here the same. We're going to leave here the same. I just have to do something. You like what I did. Yeah. But but I respect all men. I don't care if I saw a man sitting by a trash can and see a guy getting out of the Rolls Royce. I'm going to treat them both the same way because I'm no better. That's that's my attitude. Before we wrap it up, finally, man, uh, kickoff concussion, how the Notre Dame killer recovered his brain. Uh, you, Dr. Amen, uh, and you're, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're very uh, – proactive uh when it comes to seeing what we can do for for people who have traumatic brain injury uh and and the toll that uh, some of the things that we enjoy take on uh, uh individuals who either play sports or, or serve our country and stuff like that talk to us a little bit about the concussion research and uh and how much you are involved in that well, I mean, I'm, I'm like like I said, you know, uh, and, and many times I've said about over 150 ball former NFL players. Dr. Amen calls me the the father of his brain study, which well, I take that as a great compliment, and I'm the first one who started it off. And uh, in my diagnosis of him diagnosed me as a brain of 85 year old man. I've been on uh, supplement treatment for the last almost 10 years now, hyperbaric chamber treatment, and then all could advocate, you know having some kind to some kind of treatment for everybody all across the walks of life in our society starting with the soldiers you know the boxers the football players the soccer players and even the fact of any type of injury you need to start treating because it, it is treatable and you hit your brain can't heal but if you linger and let it go then you have major problems down the road and, and I, I, I bought in at first I thought it was I was skeptical I mean I, I always felt if something if you're damaged in your brain there's no going back, and I've been turned around that way. So in my walks of life, I try to emphasize to people that if you have any issues, you need to get a check. I mean, you don't even have to play pro football. You don't have to play soccer. You don't have to be a boxer. You don't have to be a soccer player. If you have any kind of traumatic brain injury, you better start checking it, get that brain scanned, and start having help. Because if your head is not right, your body's not right. right. And I've learned that. And I've had, and back to football, I've I've seen some of the former players I've played have suffered. I've known, I've lost three or four guys that I played against that have passed away because of the you know, complications of the brain and what's going, what was not going right, and they really didn't treat it. So uh, 
I was very fortunate to be able to meet Dr. Amen and be able to get on this program. And I'm telling you, I've, I've improved tremendously. I know some people are going to be skeptical. Oh, come on. I said, well, I'm just telling you the truth. You know, I watch what I eat, my diet, uh, exercise, and uh, I take myself religiously because I believe that I have some quality years left in my life, and I want to make the best of it. And I'm a big advocate. I mean, I'm, I, have a, I, have a, I have an X on my chest. I know it's, I know it's controversial behind, behind the movie that I was part of, uh, uh, Concussion, but also it's a serious thing in our society now, and uh, we got to tackle it. And I'm a big advocate for it. Absolutely, Ad, you uh, you're the best, brother. And, and it's always it's always a, a great time chatting with you and, and talking about the things we talk about. And uh, we'll do it again next week, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely, the great Anthony Davis, everybody. And uh, you can get his book, uh, "Kickoff Concussion: How the Notre Dame Killer uh, Recovered His Brain." Uh, Hulu.com as well as uh, Amazon and, and you can click on the front page of SwoopsRoll.com and it'll take you right there to go ahead and purchase that and uh, that's going to wrap it for us today like I said next week at 8 o'clock David Martinez will join us uh, the first hour and of course AD will be uh, following us after that as we always say dream as if you'll live forever live as if you'll die today good night all the views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.